The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Everywhere we look, whether it's at the borders of Israel or within the borders of our Western nations, adversaries are coming in like a flood. And especially in Israel, they're trying to overwhelm border fences. It's times like these that we need a strong rhema, a living word from God. And Isaiah 59, 19 comes to mind. It starts out by extolling the Almighty. So shall the nations fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from east, from the rising of the sun. Then the verse goes on to say, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The literal sense of the Hebrew is the adversary shall be put to flight and driven away. Shalom, I'm Christine Dard. Israel has an iron dome that can deal with incoming rockets of enemy fire. It's fortuitous that the Jewish nation has the ingenuity and resources now to protect itself as compared to the helplessness of the Jewish people within the past 2,000 years when they struggled to survive and only by the grace of God among the nations. They were always at the mercy of the whims of anti-Semitic tyrants and nations where they had wandered in the diaspora. However, at the end of the day, if the God of Israel isn't our ultimate defense, nothing else can save us from the cunning of our enemies. And in the New Testament, the individual believer is admonished to take up the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. But when an entire nation is besieged, everyone lives on knife's edge because nobody knows what's going to happen next. That's why I want to look at Isaiah 59:19 as a rhema living word. It says, when the adversary shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. This Bible metaphor of lifting up a standard or a battle flag, sometimes with the sound of a trumpet, describes resistance to evil. Lifting up a standard or banner is used at least six times in the scroll of Isaiah to describe God's divine intervention. Various Bible commentaries agree that the verse teaches that God goes forth with energy and power to defend his people and to prostrate his foes. Have you ever seen a flash flood in a desert wadi? It seems impossible to understand how people could possibly drown in the desert until you actually see footage of a flash flood. Suddenly the water rushes in seemingly out of nowhere so fast and furiously that it knocks down and carries away everything within its path, including people and boulders. 
So this verse says the enemy comes in like a narrow rushing flood driven with a swift force. The Hebrew of this verse is difficult, but the authorized King James Version is as credible as any other rendering. A footnote to the NIV translates the verse like this. When enemies come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will put them to flight. This verse may be applied to any believer who's experiencing assaults from the enemy of our soul. You see, the adversary seeks all occasions to disturb our peace and comfort, although thankfully he can't destroy our souls. Sometimes he comes in like a flood into our homes and workplaces to make disturbances. He can flood a church with apostasy and all sorts of heresies, and he tries to flood our hearts with temptations. For example, he suggests that we're not the people of God, we're just hypocrites. We, we've somehow committed the unpardonable sin and so on and so forth. But the Spirit of the Lord, hallelujah, comes to our defense. The Spirit of the Lord is the Lord himself. In the Hebrew scriptures, the word ruach generally means wind, breath, or spirit. And when applied to God, the word ruach means his creative activity, his active power, as in the beginning. Genesis 1-2 says, And the Spirit of God, the Ruach Elohim, was hovering, moving, fluttering over the face of the waters. The Ruach Elohim is the part of God who works in divine providence, in redemption, and in upholding and guiding his chosen ones. Earlier in Isaiah chapter 59, God's people had already admitted that their seemingly hopeless state was due to their iniquities. But the chapter opens by affirming that the arm of the Lord is not too short that it cannot save. And because the God of Israel is a covenant-keeping God, he will defend his people. And so the chapter concludes with this marvelous prophecy, the Redeemer shall come to Zion to those in Jacob who repent of their sins. Declares the Lord, as for me, this is my covenant with them. My spirit, my ruach, who is on you, will not depart from you. And my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips and on the lips of your children's children from this time forth and forevermore. The rabbis taught that when you see a generation that has endured much tribulation, according to what's written, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, then they say, expect the coming of the Messiah. Well, we may say amen, because when the rabbis talk about the coming of the Messiah, they believe it will be his first coming. But we evangelical believers, of course, know that it will be his second coming. So this passage in Isaiah 59 is generally taught to describe the days of the coming of the Messiah as the avenger and deliverer of his people. The chapter bemoans the fact that there seems to be nobody to intercede with God to turn away his wrath. Yet he intervenes on behalf of his people with his own strength and righteousness. The spirit of the Lord intervenes and puts the adversary to flight. One of the most distinguished Jewish Bible commentators of the Middle Ages, 
Aben Ezra likened this passage about a forceful flood to the time of trouble described in Daniel chapter 12. And that time seems to be nearer at hand with each passing day. Daniel 12, 1, let's look at it. It says, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, the people of Israel, will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as hasn't happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Rabbi Eben Ezra's commentary dovetails with the New Testament, whether he realized it or not. Because Revelation chapter 12 at the end of the New Testament describes the time of Jacob's trouble as a flood of persecution. The Jewish people are forced to flee to the mountains and many believe to Petra. And we've got video teachings about that in our archives. Revelation 12 prophesies and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, the nation of Israel, that he might try to cause her to be carried away by a flood, by a flash flood, like a torrent of water. But it says the earth helped the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the serpent dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Furthermore, Revelation 3.10 explains that the adversary will come as a flood in an hour of temptation that will test the inhabitants of the entire earth. There can be no doubt, according to all the commentaries, but that the grand accomplishment of this prophecy is in the future. So let's face reality as intercessors. There's been a satanic moral invasion of planet Earth, in all my born days, I've never seen so many items in the news about terrorism, about hedonism, and pedophilia. The Bible teaches that our souls have an arch enemy. He's called by different names in the Bible, the devil, Satan, the adversary, a roaring lion, the old serpent, the dragon, and so forth. He's characterized by great malignity and cunning craft and under his control are principalities and powers. And at times, he overwhelms us like a flood. I'm sure there have been plenty of times when you felt that your soul was absolutely overwhelmed. Perhaps you're going through something right now. Well, in Isaiah 43, 2, God makes us another promise to hold on to. He promises when you pass through the waters... I will be with you. And when you go through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. So we're involved on a daily basis in continual spiritual warfare. And it's high time that Christians and Jews recognize that Satan is the common implacable enemy of both the church and the Jewish people. And that's one reason to be united as the people of the book. Jews and Christians, we have a common enemy. God's adversary comes against us, both Christians and Jews, especially in these last days, because he's desperate. He knows his time is even shorter, and he tries to overwhelm us. 
He floods the earth with filth and immorality as in the days of Noah and Lot. In fact, Jesus described this apostasy in Luke 17, 26, a time of error and heresies by saying, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And of course, as I've been pointing out in my broadcast, Jesus warned his disciples that deception will be the number one end time characteristic. He carefully said, be watchful to let no one deceive you and lead you astray. Presently, Israel has been dealing with a flood of animosity and deception at its borders, both from Hamas protesters at the Gaza border and from Iranian-backed forces in the north. I find it fascinating that from his years of experience, retired Colonel Richard Kemp, who commanded British Armed Forces in Northern Ireland, in Iraq, and Afghanistan, in the Balkans, explained that it's hard for people in the West to understand the level of deception that's coming against the nation of Israel. You see, most people can figure out that it's wrong to fire rockets at civilian communities and at a kindergarten when Hamas protesters fired rockets across the border, one landing at a kindergarten, but thankfully nobody was there at the time. And most people's brains can also compute that it's wrong to dig attack tunnels under civilian communities like Hamas has been doing relentlessly over recent years. But the terrorist organization known as Hamas has succeeded in portraying their latest aggression against Israel as nothing but peaceful demonstrations. This has been a tremendous PR coup for the protesters. They have tragically succeeded in convincing most of the world, and certainly the media, that the Israeli soldiers are carrying out massacres of innocent people rather than simply defending their borders. However, Colonel Richard Kemp is warning the UN, and even Hamas leaders have admitted, that the mobs of demonstrators have included large bands of armed protesters mobilized by Hamas for one purpose, to deliberately force the Israeli army to kill Arabs. The Hamas leaders have callously sacrificed their own people. The demonstrations have been carefully orchestrated to bring down international outrage and condemnation against the Jewish state and to isolate them. And so this is a new level of anti-Semitism. Colonel Kemp stated that none of the politicians or armchair experts in human rights groups at the UN, the EU, or in the media have come up with any viable solution. Instead, he said, from their air-conditioned offices, they make vehement criticisms against the young Israeli soldiers who are facing the heat on the front lines of freedom. The Hamas-organized crowds have been hell-bent on breaking through the border fence. So what to do if the Israeli army had stood down like many Western police were ordered to do to let, for example, looters have their way? if the Israelis allowed their border fence to be breached. Think about it. Thousands of protesters would surge through to commit mass murder. 
The protesters have Google Maps to show routes from the border, and their well-publicized plan is to rush into pre-designated villages, intent on mass slaughter. So as intercessors, we certainly can't be manipulated to succumb to the hysteria demanded by Hamas. Colonel Kemp has calmly exposed the anti-Israel media, which is howling in outrage as the Gaza protesters control the narrative. As compassionate intercessors, we can be deeply grieved by the death toll on the Gaza border. But as Colonel Kemp also pointed out, those of us who remain sober know that these disturbances have been directed and instigated by Hamas and by their Iranian paymasters. I'd like to share a quote from Colonel Kemp concerning the Israeli soldiers who were young brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. And he says that these young Jewish survivors would no more indulge in an orgy of unnecessary killing than you and I would. So please don't believe the lies that are being told about them. There's another reason that we must stick up for the Jewish state in this dark hour, because those who falsely condemn Israel play right into the hands of Hamas and fuel their terrorism and encourage their use of human shields and thus contribute to the death and bloodshed. And so Colonel Kemp says standing up for the Israeli army is also standing up for innocent Palestinian civilians who have been betrayed, exploited, and sacrificed by their leaders. What can we do? We can pray and proclaim Psalm 121, which says that the keeper of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. We can pray for emotional, mental, and spiritual protection upon the soldiers, as well as upon the dupes of the protesters. Pray for all the teenagers who've grown up in this environment and who've been traumatized on both sides of the border. Pray for hearts to be healed. The Israelis have already withdrawn from Gaza and given over their towns and agriculture to be destroyed there by the Palestinians. So pray for those who provide military intelligence that the information that they provide will be accurate, useful, and relevant. Pray for the Israeli military leaders to be protected from confusion and deception and pray for the media to be protected from deception. As our text today, Isaiah 59:19 prophesies that the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against the adversary when he tries to come in like a flash flood. We have to be realistic spiritual soldiers in this age and recognize that we're living and existing in an enemy's territory in the world because Satan is described as the temporary God of this world in the Bible and he resents our occupation of his territory until Jesus returns. And as we pray, we can praise the Lord that the Ruach, the Spirit of the Lord is always a million times stronger and wiser than the enemy. We can thank him that the Spirit of the Lord has a supernatural military intelligence that overrules and frustrates the plans and purposes of the enemy. The guardian of our souls, the Spirit of the Lord, shall lift up a standard against him. 
the soul and nation that gives itself over to divine guardianship has an impregnable, invisible fortress. A mighty fortress is our God. So now I want to wrap up things today by saying that inner peace and tranquility of soul are highly valuable in these last days. So don't allow yourself to be robbed of peace because it's so easy to have a vexed soul by current events. Keep an alert, a watch over your mind and heart at all times, according to the admonition of the Lord, when he said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. When a storm rages in our hearts, our inner peace just slips away, doesn't it? So we have to train ourselves to get back on track. The enemy of our souls continually tries to bring us into confusion of heart and agitation of mind over the various things happening on a daily basis that seem so contrary to God's moral laws and contrary to what's just and right. Some believers proverbially just put their heads in the sand and won't watch the news. But that's irresponsible because we're called to be watchmen, to watch so that we can pray. If our minds and spirits are always agitated and churning in turmoil, then it will be easier for us to engage in despair and worry, which is a sin because worry is the opposite of faith. We have to watch continually that our souls aren't unduly perturbed, and we have to train ourselves to quickly regain our inner peace through prayer by deliberately chasing away negative thoughts and bringing our thoughts captive to the obedience of the Lord. We have to read Psalms and especially offer up the sacrifice of praise. And that always chases away the enemy because he just can't stand to hear a victorious soul praising God in the midst of trials. The more we despair over the perplexities that we're facing in these last days, the more our spirits can become disorganized and dysfunctional. So be careful of that. For example, in a certain Facebook group that I help to administer concerning prayer, I'm constantly asking people not to write comments of anger, despair, or hopelessness, but rather try to write a constructive prayer in the comment boxes or offer an appropriate scripture to proclaim. We don't want to live bitter and disquieted lives, always grumbling, or we'll be ineffective as intercessors and watchmen. In a sense, we have to live a strict, disciplined life and not just take life as it comes. So let's keep short accounts with God. Let's repent readily rather than being burdened down with guilt. And believe that at all times, God is hearing and honoring our faith. Every time we're disturbed or we've done something wrong, it's important immediately to reestablish God's peace within our souls. As soon as we notice that we've done something wrong, let's not torture ourselves, but at once humble ourselves, repent, make restitution, do what's necessary to regain our joy and normalcy. And then don't tolerate thoughts that you're not forgiven. Memorize and keep in your spiritual armory. First John 1 9, which promises that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
So after confessing your sin, keep calm and carry on as if nothing negative has ever happened. You must do this 10 times a day or as often as you need without feeling guilty because this is the nature of spiritual warfare. We're living in an imperfect world and you and I are still under construction. So thank and glorify God for all the times in the past that he's been faithful to you. Psalm 1913 is one of my guiding lights. It says, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let not willful sins have dominion over me. Then I will be upright. I will be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Amen. I want you to know that through the blood of Jesus, every believer has continual access to the throne of God. Victoria's living is made possible through the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God. And remember this, God grades us by the cross. He doesn't grade us on the curve. That means that if we've been by faith to the cross, if we put our trust in the atoning death of Jesus, Yeshua, and if we believe that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. That is how we're graded on the standard of the cross and not on our own merits. Amen. Well, in the meantime, we want to invite you to be watchmen on the walls and Feel free to contact me on the social media or through our website at exploits.tv where you can sign up to receive our weekly updates and our free color magazine, Exploits, based upon Daniel 11.32, which says the people who do know their God will be strong, not weak, and will do exploits. A reminder that our new Jerusalem Channel app enables you to watch all of our videos at any time it helps you to order from our bookshop and enables you to read the entire Bible on our app. You can download the Jerusalem Channel app to your mobile phone or tablet free of charge. And so until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Darg, Maranatha, and Shalom. Jerusalem is always inspiring to visit during the Jewish holidays, and the Biblical Feast of Tabernacles is coming up in October. Join us in the City of the Great King for five nights of joyful celebration. Exploits Ministry has planned a special tour package, including participation with thousands of Israelis and guests from all over the world in the annual Jerusalem March. So bring your flags, banners, and walking shoes. We'll also explore many of the ancient wonders and spiritual highlights around the city. And we'll have times of feasting and celebration. So plan now to come up to Jerusalem and join our tour and spiritual adventure, October 11 to 16. For more details, visit our website, jerusalemchannel.tv.
When you visit the Jerusalem Channel website, you can watch all our videos with closed caption subtitles. Select the closed caption logo at the bottom right corner of the video screen and select English. Jerusalem Channel Facebook page, you can select closed captions in English, Spanish, Portuguese, and Arabic. The Jerusalem Channel YouTube site has closed captions in English. <laughs>